Welcome to episode 342 of We Don't Die Radio. I'm your host, Sandra Champlain, author of the international bestseller called We Don't Die, A Skeptic's Discovery of Life After Death. Before we get started on the show, just a couple of announcements. Our friends at IANS, which is the International Association for Near-Death Studies, has moved their yearly conference to online. It will be August 14th through 16th with over 60 speakers, including New York Times bestselling author of Dying to Be Me, Anita Morjani. It's a low price and you get videos on demand after the event, even if you cannot join live. You can visit IANS.org to find out more, which is I-A-N-D-S.org. And we have now a monthly calendar of what's happening online demonstrations, courses, even a free Sunday service complete with a medium demonstration at the end. And you can go to wedontdieradio.com and click on calendar to find out more. Our guest today is someone I met through our online classes. Her name is Karen Davies, who had no idea that walking into her first local spiritualist church back in 2001 would lead her to study to become a medium. She has studied extensively different aspects of mediumship at the Arthur Finley College with many great mediums, including Eileen Davies, Glenn Edwards, Scott Milligan, and Tony Stockwell, and was even awarded a Certificate of Distinction in Evidential Mediumship from him. As a professional singer, Karen can combine music with mediumship, sometimes giving demonstrations where she can sing and then use the song to make her link with spirit. She also teaches and offers private readings. Karen loves being a medium, bringing the message that there is no death and loved ones are only a heartbeat away. Her website is karendaviesmedium.com. Coming to us from outside Glasgow, Scotland today, I'd like to say, Karen Davies, welcome to We Don't Die Radio. Hi, lovely, lovely to speak to you at last. It is. I'm sitting here, I'm sitting here, you're saying lovely Scotland, I'm sitting here and it's cold and I've got my woolly socks on and it's raining outside the window, so we're having our usual July weather in Scotland at the moment. Oh, that's amazing. But it's still beautiful. That's amazing. It's yes, still beautiful. I hear beautiful. you only get a couple of weeks of summer. We had it in, I think it was May, we had summer, and we may not get any more. That might have been it. But anyway, let's pray for some decent weather. Oh, well, thanks for being here. I've seen your lovely face on our online meetings, and it's really great to be here with you. Yes. Wonderful to be part of them with with Scott and the team and all that you're doing there. Yeah, I really love it. We're recording this um, in July of 2020 when COVID-19 is still amongst us. so. so. We are doing everything we can to do things online until we can be face to face again. So, Karen, tell us a little bit about you. How maybe growing up, did you have any abilities and how did you get involved no, with mediumship? No, no, you know, I, I can't say I was one of those ones that could say I was always aware of the spirit, that I had imaginary friends or anything like that. But I was always what you would call maybe a slightly fey child. I was very much into and into nature and very much into the outdoors and very much also into music as well. So although I wouldn't have said, you know, that I can go look back in, in my childhood and say that I had experience that was spiritual experiences, um, I think in a way that it, that it was something that was always there with me. But I kind of started, it all kind of came to a head with me and things all took off um, for me when I was around around the age of about 38, 39. And I was um, married at the time, um, working at my own ladies boutique, which I ran myself. And then out of the blue, suddenly my marriage ended completely unexpectedly and very explosively. And overnight, my whole world just disintegrated. Everything that I thought was there, everything that I believed to be true, turned out that it wasn't. And I went through, for the next 18 months, I went through a very, very dark time when I had no support. Um, um, My parents had basically said, well, you've made your bed, get on and lie in it. And I had very little friends because during my, my marriage with my husband, he was very controlling, so I had no friends around me. So at that time, I was very much alone and very much isolated. 
And I would go out to work during the day with a smile on my face and see my clients and that. And at home at night, when I came there, I would be constantly um, emotionally and psychologically abused. He just didn't stop getting at me. And I guess I was probably about as low as you could do and still be walking and functioning. And then one day I saw on in my local gym a sign that said, Qigong, couldn't even pronounce it at that point, but it looked good because it offered you health, happiness and peace of mind. And I thought, wow, can I do with some of that? So I signed up for the course. And in signing up for the course, I suddenly entered a weird world. It, it was a world of mediums. It was the world of Reiki masters. It was the world of all people that did things that I had never even heard of or never really knew anything about. I made, I made during the course of um, the, the classes with the Qigong, two good friends who kind of took me under their wing um, and kind of looked after me a bit and started including me in things they were doing. One was a Reiki master, um, an aromatherapist. And she worked in old folks' homes and people that were terminally ill. And the other lady was a specialist nurse in the cancer unit, where she used a lot of her alternative healing practices um, within her work. And they took me to a mind-body-spirit fair. Never knew what it was, came in, there was all these crystals, you know what they're like, you know, everything there, and all these different people, and you're thinking, wow, what's this? Have, have a reading, you know, <laughs> have a reading. First thing, who can I have a reading with? So I had a reading with this guy, and I have to say, he very much looked the part, because he was dressed in the long, or what I thought mediums were at that point. He was dressed in long, flowing robes with this long, flowing beard, and I can't remember his name, but it was very impressive, and I said, I'm having a reading with that man. And it wasn't the first reading I'd ever had. I think once I'd had one at the end of the pier with a gypsy, you know, those sort of things. Yes. When, when they crossed my palm with silver and I read the crystal ball. I remember she told me I was going to marry a doctor and have two kids live in America. So that's quite well. Um, but who knows? I'm too late for the kids now, but who knows about that. Um, so I had a reading with this guy and he said to me, your spirituality is going to become the cornerstone of your life. By this time, I'm getting interest in what all these other people around me are starting to do. So I said to him, well, how do I develop that? How do I find a way of developing that? And he said, go into a spiritualist church, and if you don't like it, get up and walk out. Well, I didn't even know spiritualist churches existed or what went on in them, or even if there was one nearby where I lived. So I went home and pre-Googled. I got out the phone book and found in my local town there was a spiritualist church, Hawley Spiritualist Church, on London Road. And I thought, never heard of it, don't know where London Road is. So a couple of weeks went by, and one night I am driving home, and I see London Road. I go, oh, London Road, that's where the spiritualist church is. Ah, a little bit further on, Hawley Spiritualist Church. Ah, that's where the Hawley Spiritualist Church is. It was about quarter past six, and the service started at 6.30. But then I went. But, I mean, it was just the coincidence. I mean, as, as my story goes on, you will find there are so many coincidences. But it was like, not that I'm being, well, not that I'm being guided, but it's like, look, it's here. Just like signposts along the way. So then I went, and I sat, and I was a bit scared. They were going to do something called mediumship, clairvoyance, and I thought, Oh, that sounds scary. I wonder what that is. But it seemed perfectly normal. And as I sat there and listened to the medium, I'm thinking to myself and watching the messages being given. How does she do that? How does she know that? What's going on here? And I didn't walk out. I was fascinated. So that started me on a regular trip twice a week. I would go to the spiritualist church, mainly to get out of the house because it was somewhere to go that was safe. So I would go out of the house. But also, I was becoming fascinated with it all. On the second week I was there, my grandmother came through to me. Now, my grandmother had been passed for 
I don't know, about 20, 30 years um, since, since I'd lost her. But I'd always been exceptionally close to my grandmother. And she came through. I always say when people say to me, why did you first go into a spiritualist church? It wasn't because I lost somebody. It was because I'd lost myself. And I was looking for something to put myself back together again. Uh, the healing aspect of, of mediumship, which is very important. And she came through to me. And week after week, she would come through to me. And she would tell me about what was going on in my life. She would tell me that she'd seen my tears. She would tell me that she knew what was going on and what was going to happen. And that she was there holding my hand and that things would be okay. And at that time, nobody knew what was going on with me. Nobody knew the hell that I was living in. Nobody knew anything at all, but my grandmother did. And that proved to me beyond anything she was there watching me because how else could she know? Right. Um, right. It was just like, you know, when you're getting, well, you know, so, well, because I love when I'm doing demonstration, be able to say to them, well, you're doing this and you're, how do they know? Because they're watching you. Because very much I do believe and that spirit are with us all the time. We may not be aware of it, but they know all the time when we're there. And I think sometimes when we reach that rock bottom, either through the loss of somebody or something that's happening within our own lives, they find a way to make themselves known if we're prepared just to open that door and let them through. So I continued to go to church and I was invited then through the church and through somebody outside the church, opportunities to start to sit so I began my own development at that time. And as well as that, I started to pursue um, a lot of the healing arts. So I started to explore Reiki and um, spiritual healing. I went on and studied and did massage, aromatherapy, Swedish massage. I did aromatherapy through the Chinese system of, of diagnosing medicine. So I really embraced, it was like this whole big world, and I, I, I want to know more. You know, yes. Like when you get into this kind of thing, it's like, it's, as Eric always said, there are only questions that lead to further questions. And anything that I saw that made me think, I'm interested in that, I, I did it. I'm going, I'm going to have a go at that. But what happened was that I began to get a great dissatisfaction in what I was doing within my life. I'd, I'd, I'd run my own business for quite some time and I loved it, but it didn't satisfy me anymore. And I just thought, there's something more. I need to do something else, but I don't know what it is. At that time, my, my divorce was, 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 was going through. Finally, after, I say, about 18 months, my husband had, had, had moved out, so I was in the house on my own. Um, but one day I had to go to court to face him. And my solicitor said to me, you don't need to take me in. It will just be you, him, and the judge, and that's how it will be. And if you take me in, you're only going to get a hard time from the judge for making you part of the proceeding. So I believed her. And I went into the courtroom that day, and there was the judge, and there was my husband with his lawyer. And the first thing the judge said to me is, where's your lawyer? Are you not professional? Why haven't you got a lawyer here? You know, And he really had a, started having a real go at me. And I panicked. I, having held it together for so long, I just at that moment, I just wanted to to run, to hide, to get out of there. And I was suddenly aware of the most incredible love that just seemed to come from nowhere and wrap around me. And it was like the court disappeared, everybody within that disappeared, and I was just aware of this bubble of love. And within that bubble of love, I was shown all the people that were now in my life that were outside, that knew what was going on with me that day. And they showed me that they were there outside supporting me. And they showed me as well in that moment, those from the spirit world that were standing there by my side supporting me. And as I sat, it began to lift. The, the energy began to move. It, it began to withdraw. And I remember I could even have said it out loud saying, please don't, don't go, stay. You know, it was such an incredible feeling. But it went... And, you know, I had no idea how long it lasted. It was probably only seconds, but everybody was looking at me. But it gave me the strength and the courage to then go through what I needed to do. And I know later on, um, my grandmother came back to me and she said to me, at that moment when you needed us most, 
We wrapped your love, we wrapped our love around you and kept you safe. And so many people, when they wish to communicate with the spirit world, they want to hear voices, they want to see. But what I find quite often it is, it's just you are suddenly aware of the presence of that love that defies description. I mean, you must have felt that yourself at times when you're just saying, when you think, oh, help, and you just feel that such a wonderful just spiritual love coming around you. It's always a spiritual hug. And there's nothing quite like a spiritual hug. So, a spiritual hug. You know, it's just like that. Anyway, so I carried on. But as I say, I was becoming very dissatisfied with my life. Um, I was having to move, having to move out of my house because I couldn't stay there anymore. Um, and I just thought I want to do something different, but I didn't know what. I had thought at this time of, you know, pursuing my, you know, pursuing my massage, my aromatherapy, my healing, going down that route. That was very much, and there was actually opportunities at that time that I could have followed. But I wasn't sure. It didn't feel right, and I didn't know why. So in the space of a few days, I heard mentioned the Fintorn community in Scotland. Those of you who don't know, haven't heard about it, is a community in Scotland that was founded by Eileen Caddy. And it was a place where people went from all over the world um, to experience community life and to experience the spirituality classes that they taught within it. No idea again, spiritual churches, spiritual communities, no idea what it was, no idea where it was. So again, out came my trusty phone book and I phoned up the tourism board in Scotland and I said, I'm somewhere in the north of Scotland somewhere. You've got a community called Fintor. Yes. Have you got the phone number? So I phoned up and I booked two, two weeks with them. The first week that I did with them was um, Experience Week, which everybody does that wants to do things within the community. You have to do Experience Week because during that week, you learn how the community works. You have to work in one of the departments in the the. In the, in, the, in, the, in the community, and you really get just a sense of how, the, how they operate. And I had a fantastic experience week. I had people from all over the world in it. And the, 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 the guy who facilitated it said to me, you know, sometimes people come along and do these experiences week and they go away and that's it. You lot came along and dived in and really lived it. I mean, the tissue box never stopped being passed around. The, the, so it was, it was one of the an incredible, incredible experience. And in the second week, I went on to do um, a course by a lady called Ellen Hayakawa, who at that time lived in Bowen Island, just off Vancouver. And that was called Finding Your Life's Purpose. And I thought, ah, this is it. This is what I need to do. So I went on to that course emotionally, spiritually, completely open after the week that I'd just been through. And on the second morning, as I was sitting there, she told us a story. Um, and it was a story about a man who was a corporate businessman. And one night when he was away on business with his with his with his with obviously his colleagues, and one night he's sitting, they've all gone to bed, and he's sitting alone at this piano in the hotel, and he starts to play the piano. And an old gentleman comes up and sits beside him and said to him, What was what was that you were playing? So he started saying, oh, well, it was this and it was that. And he said, no, 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 I don't mean that. He said, the other stuff, I haven't heard that before. What was that? They said, oh, that's not important. He said, that is just something that I wrote. And the old man looked at him and said to him, who will play your music if not you? And as I heard these words, the tears just started to come down my face because my dream in life had always been to be a singer. And when I'm just before I met my husband, my singing teacher, my mentor, she was everything to me. Unexpectedly died of cancer at the age of 52. And I was completely bereft, didn't know which direction I was going and what to do. And at the same time, I met my husband. And I turned my back. I said, right, okay, that's it. I can't, I don't know what to do. So I'm going to turn my back on my music and I'm going to get married. That seemed like a good idea. I would get married. But during my marriage, there'd been very little music. And suddenly it was back with like, wow, where did that come from? You know? 
Helen, who said to me, do you think that your life purpose could something have something to do with music? I went, no, 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 no. I left that behind a long time ago. That's nothing to do with me. Nothing, 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 no, no. So, well, tomorrow morning, she said, when we open the group in prayer, I want you to sing. And I went, no, 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 I can't do that. I haven't sung for ages, haven't sung for years. And I had a stinking cold because my job in the community was working in the garden. So I got this really awful cold. And I said, no, no. She said, tomorrow morning you will sing in, in, in the garden. You don't argue with Helen. So I sung. And afterwards, one of the group participants came up to me and she said to me, um, you need to meet Ellen Hyatt, you need to meet Bailia. She lives within the foundation and you need to meet Bailia. She's a singing teacher. So I phoned up Bailia and as you only can in Finhorn, I had one of these conversations. Um, I'm on Ellen Hayakawa's Life Purpose workshop and I believe that my life purpose could have something to do with music. Can I come and sing for you? So I went along and sung for her, and she said, sit down, because you're, you're not going to like what I hear, what, you're, what I'm going to tell you. So I, said, I thought, that's it. You know, what am I thinking? I can sing. What? Well, you know, immediately all these doubts coming. She's going to tell you, don't even think about it. Right. And she right. said to me, your, your heart, your soul needs to sing. And she said, you will never be happy unless you express yourself through music. But she said to me, your spirit has been broken. But she said, you have to find a way to come back to it. And she said, you have to find a way to don't tell anybody you're doing. Find a teacher that will nurture you, that will help you and go back to it. And as I walked out of the room, I turned around and I said to her, I'm going to come back to you and study with you. And I did. Within two or three months, I closed my business. I packed the car, packed the dog. And there's always a dog in my life, packed the dog in the car. And off we went to Fintorn. Where I, where I studied with Balia. I did a lot of um, singing. I did a lot of walking the beach. I did a lot of crying. I did a lot of getting myself back together again. And also within that, there was opportunities to get up and perform, which is something that I'd lost a lot of confidence over. But after about a year there, I started getting that same. This isn't, I, I don't know, I, I shouldn't be here anymore. I, I need to move. I need to, this, I'm, my time here is done. So I said, Spirit, okay, then, am I meant to uh, give me a sign? I was getting quite good at asking for signs. So give me a sign. Um, how can I go forward? And two days later, I received a letter from my landlord giving me notice to quit at the end of the month. So I thought, right, well, I've had my sign. <laughs> I was, you know, yeah. and my teacher said, oh, please don't leave. You know, we, we can, I can find you accommodation. You know, I can do it. And I said, no, no, no. I said, I need to go. Well, I kept in contact with Ellen Hayakawa from Vancouver, we would speak on the phone. And when we would speak on the phone, she used to say to me, Canada, Canada's calling you, it's here, it's calling you, um, can you hear it? And so I went and sat in the sanctuary um, when I knew I had to leave, and I meditated and I said, what am I going to do now? What am, where am I going to go? What am I going to do? And as I walked out of the sanctuary on the notice board um, where people take their shoes and that off, there was a big sign that said, Canada. So I said, right. So three months later, I packed the dog, two suitcases, <laughs> and took a flight to Vancouver, not really knowing anybody there apart from Ellen, um, not really knowing. All. I just knew I had to go there and sing. That was all I knew. I just knew I had to go there and not knowing anything else about it. And I always remember there was a slightly surreal moment of driving in an, auto, an automatic car, which I've never driven before on the wrong side of the road to what I was used to, with my dog in the back, which seemed the really strangest thing. And I'm thinking, Harry, you've lost the plot. What are you doing here? But when I arrived in Canada, I discovered that I couldn't, I couldn't use public transport because I had the dog. And somebody suggested to me I meet somebody called George, who was a car mechanic, but also would find me a car, second-hand car, you know, cheaply that I could run about in. So I went and I met George, and sure enough, he did find me a car, which he then proceeded to do up for me. But when he came to deliver the car to me on a Sunday morning, he said to me, um, would you like to come and have brunch with me? So I went off and had brunch with him, and he took me to his friend's apartment, who was a saxophone player. Now, when I'd originally studied music, it was as a classical singer. But when I came back to start singing again, I wanted to do something freer. I wanted to do something more intimate. So I'd moved very much more into the, the jazz type of singing. 
um, and, and, and a much more, in a much more freer style. And there I was that morning in this guy's apartment who plays jazz all his life and was a saxophone player. Um, everybody has to meet a Ross in their life. That he was so he loved his music so much, but he was on another planet. You know, he just he just walk about strumming ukulele all the time. He'd go out for lunch with him and he'd just get out his music or he'd start playing. I mean, he was just completely immersed in 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 that world. And that night, I ended up down the club where he had his band singing. And it was like, it was, everything just fell into place. You know, it was just like, I can't, within two weeks of being in Canada, it was just like, wow, what's going on here? Yeah. I think yeah. the other thing as well was at the same time, Ellen, who I'd obviously reconnected with when I was over there, contacted her, and I was still looking really for a place to stay. And she said to me, oh, my neighbor's going away to Norway and he's looking for someone to house sit. So I ended up living as her neighbour in the most beautiful island. It was a Native American drumming island, so it really was a special place. And this fantastic house overlooking the water, um, house-sitting, sharing ice cream with Ellen Ayakawa. And I thought, I don't believe it. How on earth did this come about? It all went back to that moment in Finhorn, you know, when I, when I met her. Um, so I stayed within Canada um, for you know, for about 18 months. And then I had to come back to the UK because I'd lost my tenant that was in my house. When I came back, I realized my dog, who was about this time was 14, was not going to survive another trip back to Canada because I'd always intended to go back. My dog passed and then my father took ill. So I, I stayed on to, to be around my father for the final two years of his life. When he went to spirit, um, and I was with him when he went, and I'm so glad that I had that time with him at the end. But when I, well, after he passed, there was a little bit of money I got, and I started going to the Arthur Finney College. And I'd never, somebody had suggested to me, why don't you go to the Arthur Finney? I thought, oh, no, I can't go there. It's only those and those and such and those, and they've got to be really something to go to the Arthur Finney College because it was the mecca of spiritualism. And I said, no, don't be stupid, go along. So I went along and I did my first week. I was fortunate to be in the group with Eileen Davis and Glyn Edwards was one of the tutors there as well. And on the first morning when I sat within the sanctuary um, and I listened to Glyn lecture, again, the tears just started to come. And I thought, this is what I've been looking for. It was the energy. It was the feeling. It was like, this is what I know that I need to do. And at this point, though, I have to say, I had never any intention of being a medium. It was just, I'm interested in all of this. Right. And Glenn was quite scary. As Scott will tell you, Glenn can be quite scary. Um, although when I met him, seemingly he was a lot more mellow. So I wouldn't like to know when he was really scary. And he suddenly pounced on me. I was sitting in the front row and he suddenly he went, and you? Yes, 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 yes. He said, I was watching you last night, he said. And the spirit world had been with you all your life, he said. And I went, yeah. <laughs> and he said to me, they're interested in you. Now go and find out why. And that was it. Wow. So, wow. And it was like, and I'm sitting there shaking. I mean, he went on. He said more things as well, you know. You know and, and, but I was sitting there. And then unfortunately, I booked for a reading with him. And so when I walked in for the reading with him, he just said to me, no, go and do it. <laughs> that was it. There was no, he didn't argue with Glyn. Um, he did say something of other, though. He did say to me, but you have given yourself to the spirit. I know you have. And many years previously, when I was going through my sort of, what am I going to do phase, right way back at the beginning, I'd been on a retreat with my two friends to, to a, an old abbey in the countryside. And one evening... Um, we were out walking in the grounds and I got separated from them. And I came across this old chapel. And as I walked towards the chapel, the doors were open and there was candles burning everywhere. And I went into and the smell of the incense inside hit me. Completely alone I was. And I went and I stood in front of the, the altar and I said to spirit, okay, I'm prepared to give my life and service to me. Use me as I can. Use me as you will. And I walked out and I met up with my friends. And one of them said to me, something's happened to you. What just happened to you? And I said, oh, I went down. I didn't tell them what happened. But I said, I went down into the little chapel. I said, and went to the chapel. 
She said, you couldn't have. I said, yes, I did. That little chapel over there. She said, we were down there. She said, and it's all locked up in darkness. So I don't know what happened that night, but it was something very magical and very special. And at times over the years, when I moan about sometimes the work that I do and what I have gone through in doing it, don't remind me, but you gave yourself to us, you know. So I had. But in the week that I did with Eileen, she discovered at the college, she discovered that I was a singer. And she said to me, craftily, on the final night, she said to me, um, on the, on the, on the kind of closing ceremony when people are doing demonstrations and addresses and prayers and whatever, would you get up and give us a song? And I said, oh, yeah, 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 I'll give you a song. You know, up I went. Just before I was about to walk on the platform, she said to me, while well, you're there, just give a little message. And I went, what, what? That week in the college, it was like my mediumship suddenly exploded. Um, because having started out in development quite early in my life, um, you know, with, 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 with when I was around the churches and that, in all my trips to Vintour and America and Canada and that, that, that all stopped. But I think because I was living very much by the seat of my pants and very much in communi- constant communication with the spirit world, then asking for their help, them, them repaying it, I think a trust and a relationship, a friendship had been born between us. So that when I came actually to work as a medium, the relationship, that connection was there and was cemented. I had that trust for them. And I remember sitting in that first morning in the college and just saying to them, look, this everything that's asked of me this week to do, I'm just going to do it and just see what happens. And I surprised myself at what I was able to do that week. But on that final evening, as I said, that I, I got up and I sung and I gave a little message and the message went quietly. And I gave her a little bit. And I said, right. She said, that, that it? You got more? I said, you said a little message and the little message is all you're getting. I, said, <laughs> I was so relieved you could accept what I was saying. I said, I'm not going any further with this. That was, that was fine. That was lovely. So I continued to go to college in the next couple of years. I don't know how many courses I attended over that time, mainly with Eileen and Oglin and also with Tony Stockwell. And I started studying with Tony Stockwell at his studio that wasn't far from where I lived. And I really immersed myself completely in, as, a, as you said, in my opening, all aspects of mediumship, the healing side, the trance states that I love. Um, that's where I met Scott when he first started and demonstrating at the college. And, you know, the mediumship side, still with no intention of being a medium. It wasn't until I think it was Tony Anglin. I remember one day in the lift, Ian said to me, Karen, there's no point of you keep coming in these courses if you don't do anything ready now I can get it and at that point as well I was I was studying with Tony and he said look it's time you got out there and he started um, giving recommendations for me to get me out and to get me and to get me working but this thing with the music and the mediumship very much continued you know Eileen kept forcing me you know when I was in group with her right okay Karen you're getting up you're going to give us a song and you're going to give us a you're going to give us a a a message after the song I think the most beautiful um example of that was actually not my message but one how that works is one that I did with Eileen and she was doing she was the demonstrator that night within the sanctuary and she asked me to sing a song I said right and I had something in my mind to sing and at the very last minute as I walked onto the platform I said now I'm going to sing something else and I sung um, a Scottish song My Love Is Like a Red Red Rose by Rabbi Burns and Eileen got up and demonstrated on the back of the song and she went to a lady she went to a lady in the audience and she said you have the words of that song written on a newspaper in your handbag it's for the obituary of your husband and she went through dum 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 and I thought how incredible that the spirit world were able to influence me to sing that song but how incredible to see how that worked you know it was just beautiful that and she said to me the lady came out afterwards to me and showed me the, the, the song which she had in her handbag and she said to me as soon as you started singing that song I just knew my husband was there. I just knew that song was for me. And what I have discovered 
that when I use my singing and I with my mediumship, it seems to be so much more powerful. I mean, music in itself is very, very powerful. When we sit, when we meditate, we listen to music. When we when we work with Scott, when we're doing meditations, that there's usually music there. Yes. But music kind of yes. brings people together. It creates an energy, and it creates something that you can use. And when I'm doing a demonstration with the music, with the singing brings people together because they're concentrating on what you're singing, but also it creates an atmosphere in the room that you can use. And also then when, 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 the, when the communication does go to the recipient, it is so powerful because they are stirred by the music, they're stirred by the song, and they all instinctively know, I know that song's for me, you know. They also, some for, for very good reasons, others just, I knew you were coming to me. And it is so, so powerful. But what I, what I, tried, what I then started to do to experiment with it was, when I had been young, when you asked me back at the beginning, did I ever, you know, was I spiritual or everything else? Or did I know anything as a child? When I used to play piano, particularly piano, because that was how I started in music, I used to play for hours. And it was at times in practicing and playing that I was no longer the music. I was no longer playing the music. It was as if the music was coming through me, that the music was being played, was being born through me. And some nights when I got up to sing in performance, Something would happen, it would be like a shift, and it would be like I wasn't there anymore, and I would just become the instrument of the voice. Karen had disappeared, and I would just become the instrument of the voice. And it was it changed the quality of my singing, it changed the impact of my singing. That was how I met, met my teacher. <clears throat> I'd done a workshop with her during the day, and in the evening I had to sing, and the, that evening it happened, I had that shift. And she came up to me afterwards and she said to me this afternoon, I thought she's got a nice voice, but like tonight, I thought, wow. Now, at that point, I didn't know what it was. Having gone on and studied the altar states, the trance states, worked with mediumship and that, I recognized that I was going into an altered state and that my, I was allowing the influence of the spirit to come so much more strongly through my music and through my, and through my voice. So I started to work at how can I get myself, so occasionally getting up and singing and this happens, how can I get myself, so when I stand up and sing, I can get into that altered state and sing within that altered state to bring the spirit in through my voice rather than just, you know, get up and singing. And I also found as well that it, instead of performing as I was used to doing um, on stage with singing, it suddenly then became a much more personal affair between me and spirit. Because in actual fact, I was singing to the spirit world. I was opening up them and inviting the loved ones to connect with me on that song to give that link. So I, 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 so when I work with my music and my mediumship, it becomes a completely different way as if I was out somewhere and you said, get up and give me a song. It becomes a much more personal and intimate experience. That's beautiful, I mean, Karen. sometimes I get asked, you know, but sometimes I can ask, how do I choose my songs? You know, it'd be wonderful if I knew that some certain song was just the one that somebody always sung you and it meant the world to you and I got up and sung it. I haven't got the capability with my own instrument, my own voice of A, knowing everything, but also B, um, learning everything. So I have like a, I have a a group, a repertoire of songs, and I like to look upon this repertoire of songs, like each one is like a tarot card. And every time I sing that song, there is something different in it that for somebody else. I mean, for, for, for myself, when I, when, I, when I do my readings and that, sometimes I use the tarot. Every time I look at that tarot card, I see something unique in it for that person. And that's how I use the songs as well. Sometimes it's, 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 it, the song can actually just be that, like the, the experience with Eileen Davis, that song that I sung, that was her husband's favourite song. That was the one that she had in her bag. That can happen. Often it's just something either about the lyrics of the song or the meaning of the song, but something about that song that will connect with the spirit world. So that is very, very much um, how um, that, that, that I'm. It's something I haven't done a lot because, you know what? I don't know. I don't know what it's the same in America, but it certainly is in the UK. People are resistant to change. Yes. They yes. it to be done always the way you, done, you, you did, you know. And although I was, I, I did sign at my local church in Glasgow and it went very, very well. And I was actually there doing just an evening of conversation. 
And it was, oh, are you going to sing? Please, are you going to sing? Please, will you sing tonight? And whoever it was, a chairing said, oh, no, no, we don't want that. That wastes time from the messages. It's like they're not prepared to open. There is so much available that we can use with the spirit that to embrace it and to use it in new and exciting ways. But somehow or other, it's like you're always fighting against, that's not what it should be. And one of the things that Glenn Edwards, after he passed his spirit, because Glenn is now in spirit, and he came back to me through Eileen, and he said to me, the reason your mediumship is working so well is because you are allowing it to be free. You are allowing the spirit to influence you. You are allowing the spirit to guide you. And I've always very much held on to that. I've never wanted to prostitute my gift. I've never wanted to sell my gift. Yes, I need to make money from it because we all need to live. Hey, don't we all need to live? But for me, it's always been much more about finding a way, as you said right at the beginning, to prove to people that there is no death, to bring that love one to them. Then also to know that at times in their life when they really thought, or they may be going through a really bad time, that that person is there with him. I worked for, I've worked for a number of years in a place in Glasgow, and often I'd get people in for readings. They knew nothing about the spirit world. They wanted to tarot reading. That's my boyfriend. Does he still love me? And things like that. Right. And I would say, but, but I would go, but I've got your grandmother here. We go, what? And they oh my God. You know, and it was like they weren't looking for it, but it suddenly hit them, and they would go, oh, that was incredible and amazing. So it's always about pushing people to be there because when you know, I always say to people when, I, when I'm doing demonstrations and lectures and things like that, when you get to that point, you have that evidence and you know that somebody is there, it can become so powerful because you just know that, okay, your life is not always going to be a sweet bed of roses, as you know. Yes. We still hit yes. rock bottom. As you know, and I don't know how many pillows I punched. I don't know how many times I've screamed at them. I don't know how many times I've cried. I've thought, what are you doing? Often thinking back in it, as I have been doing since, you know, coming to this talk, is that, that it's the moments when I'm resisting the spirit, when I'm resisting what I know that I need to be doing, that, that I'm reaching those bottom. Actually, fun enough, before, 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 before I started this morning, I linked with the spirit and I was told, you know, sometimes you have to go to the bottom before you can start to climb again. I thought, oh, yeah, I know, I, I know about that. Um, but I think when I was part, when I was within Fintorn and I was in the community in Fintorn doing that week with Ellen, we were fortunate enough to have an audience with um, Eileen Caddy, who sadly now passed to spirit. And she was a very elderly lady at that time. She was the first person I can honestly say I saw in awe. I went in and she just glowed. There was just something about that woman. And we were allowed to ask questions to her. And I said, to, my question to her was, how do we know if we've been given guidance? And how do we know it was just our own wishful thinking? You know? And she said to me, if it makes your heart sing, with all your heart, then follow it with all your heart. And she said to me, you've been given some very good guidance since you've been here, now follow it. But I think if we look at our lives and we look beyond, yes, the communications there, if we know that, that Spirit are there encouraging us with all our flaws and all our faults, and I'm no angel, you know, um, I'm definitely no angel, um, with all our flaws and faults, if we still know that that's ours and that they love us and are there to support and help whatever we do, however, whatever happens within our lives, then surely it must enable us to be that person that they see in us, to want to take those risks, to follow that. We all have something within us that wants to be born, like my singing had been, that I had shut away and closed away. And it's only when we start to open that door and take the risk to say, okay, I know this is what I need to be doing. Now I'm going to take that risk and do it. That is when the synchronicities happen. That is what, what I call the magic happens. Like, you know, we go into Canada, meeting up with George, ending up with da, da, da. You know, it's, that's when when we take steps ourselves, then it's almost like spirit saying, okay, we can come forward and help now. They can't do it for us. They're waiting and guiding us, hoping we're going to say, yeah, okay, go on, go for it, go for it, go for it. And when we do, that I always think when things change and when things transform in our lives. When there's times when I've been really at the, bo the bottom of the, the heap, you know, I realise that those times I've been resistant to change. 
And something inside me said, Karen, you should be doing this. And you're saying, no, 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 I can't. I can't face it. I can't face moving again. I can't face doing that. No, no, I don't want to do that. Or I'm resisting my own spirit inside that knows the way and knows what to do. And then things get so, so bad that I have to eventually say, okay, I'll do it, <laughs> you know. And that is why I'm looking back on my life and the experience that I've had within my life. I realize that it's those moments when I've said to spirit, okay, take me, I'm yours. You want me to do this? I'm just going to do it. And that's when things happen. Sometimes I've said, I'm not doing that. I want to do this. And it's all gone horribly wrong. And I said, okay, you were right. I shouldn't have done that. I know I should have done something else. But that is, there is, you know, yes, there is the evidential side of the mediumship. Which so many people need, I think, particularly at this time of the at this time of of, of of evolution, when so many of us are passing to when so many are passing through this horrendous disease at the moment. There is that, and particularly when people are not there by the bedside, and that when they're passing, there will be such a need for mediumship and for communication and for healing to take place on both sides during that. But then when that's happened. I always look at how can we take that into our lives and how can we use that then to be the best person that we can be and to have the best life that we can live and to be that person that we are truest to be. And so for me, yes, the evidence is there, the readings are there, the readership, but there is so much more um, to it. And as Eric said, there is always, you know, questions that only lead to, to, to other questions. Now, as of, well before we started, as you know, because I'm, I'm, I know I'm getting short of time, and there's so much more I could tell you. I could go on all day, but I only have an hour. So. I'm not <laughs> going to rush you if it goes yeah, yeah, a little longer. With, you're almost getting fed up with me, but I'm not. I'm loving it. <laughs> I, I, before we started, I was very, I've been very much better since I knew this interest that I was having this time with you. That's so good idea. Good idea. You said, well, it's going to be recorded. If you want a message, you're going to have to give me, because I'm the only one that's going to be, you know, be able to speak back. And since then, I have to say, and as I was very much when I sat down at the beginning of this of, the, of this talk with you, I'm very, very much aware of your father with, you know, standing with you within the spirit world. Oh. Now, at the time, you said, well, do you want to start with it? I said, because he's here. And I'm saying, no, it's not your time yet. Come back, you know. Because... I knew very much what he, part of the message, because he's been chatting away to me when I'm trying to sleep. And I said, oh, wait, come back, mate. Um, very much he's saying to me that you yourself know what I'm talking about with ex different experiences, but you know yourself what I'm talking about of things changing and happening within your life. Do you understand that? Oh, absolutely. He's very much, he's very much talking about if you look back at your life, the synchronicities and that that happened in your life that has taken on you on a journey that you would never expect to go on. Okay. And I know very much with that that he wants me to that you're so aware that there is change still to come there for you. So much more that you can even at this point point imagine, he's saying to me. Okay. Because he says, you know, he, I, I just know because Spirit was saying to me as well. I, I, I don't, I, I don't know very much about you, and I deliberately haven't read because I didn't want to read anything before I, before I, before I, before I called Good. you. Because I thought, no, I'm not going to cheat. Please don't. <laughs> I can't read all about you. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I, I wouldn't do that. No, I didn't want. Yeah. But you know, it's. I forgot what I was going to say. What Spirit was saying to me, you yourself have either worked for a medium or been interested in working with mediumship yourself. Yes. 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 yes, yes. But they've said to me, can you understand it at some time you feel at the moment your mediumship or something has been put to the side, that it's that it's not quite you're using it in the way that you once were or the way that maybe you wanted to. Yes. You understand that yeah, as well. But they also the saying to me as well, but you are performing such an important task for us. Because with people like Scott and that, they have the connection with spirit, they have the gift and they have the voice, but their voice needs to be heard. And with the work that you are doing, you are allowing the spirit voices to be heard. And they want you to know how much they value what you are doing for them at this time and what you will continue to do for them. Because I feel as well, they say you may feel your development has gone to one side, but in the work you do, just like I found when I went off to Canada and off to Fintorn and everything else like that, I very much found that um, that my, my development happened as a matter of course because of the people I was mixing with, because of the atmospheres and the things that I was doing, and because of my trust within the spirit world. Now, I know very much, because I do know a little bit that you 
you know, things have been a little bit of what's going on with you. No, very much. You yourself have really been having quite a difficult time. Over. Difficult. You know, I won't use the word, but you know the word. I mean, it's yeah. been pretty. You know, yeah. And it's like, and I want to say very much, it's been one thing after the other. It's just like you get something hit, and then something else comes and hits you. You're thinking, ah, you uh, know, that is, that is correct. You know, you know, that is just, and I'm not just talking about within the world, you know, I'm talking about within your life. It's things like just like coming at you. But it's this, can you understand is what your father's doing? It's almost like this has been happening since he passed. It's like since he's been passed, your world has turned upside down and gone mental. Yes. Do you understand? Yes. And it's like everything, that, a bit like me, everything you believed to be true and everything you believed that was right, you suddenly discovered wasn't. And you had to make sense of it. Now, I know with your father that he stands very close to you now. But would you understand also with him? I feel there must have been periods of time when your father wasn't always there, either through work or something. But I feel he talks about regrets. But he doesn't feel he was always able to be part of your life in the way he may have wanted. Does that make sense to you? It does. It gets teary-eyed, but it does. Okay. Do you understand that? Yes. Can you understand that? But he's saying, and he's, he's, he's making me, your dad was a big soft like mine yes. but he didn't show it do you understand that as yes. well he yes. found it difficult to show that emotion and if I could just send across to some of the emotion that I'm feeling now that he's he's bringing forward for you now um but he but he regrets there was he regrets that um but he said there's nothing I can do about that but what I can do now is to stand by your side and support you and be with you in a way that I was never able to be when you were there I know as one of his here, I know also as well, he talks to me about forgiveness. He's either you've forgiven him or he asked you forgiveness for something. I feel it's something to do with your relationship with him before he passed. But it's forgiveness that what has happened to you within the family since he has passed. I but he says he's so, so sorry for what they have put you through. Does that make sense? It does. Because he said they're so so sorry for what you put you through, and and it, and he's like, I never would have believed it. I never would have believed that they could have been like that, um, and that life has turned out the way that it that it has since he has been gone. But you know, he's saying to me like, listen to what she said. The moments of, of her deepest depression, her deepest despair, have come the moments of her greatest enlightenment and, and movement forward. And although I still feel that things with you are not ready yet to move forward, he's very much come to me today to say, just bide your time, because there's going to be an end to this, the situation that you're in now, and then you'll be ready to fly. And as I say that, I know there's travel with you throughout the world because I just see you. I see you where, wherever allowed, or feel safe enough to get in the plane. I just see you traveling all over the place. But I also see you like a satellite with a lot of people coming towards you as well. It's like there's, there's a both of that there. Would you understand? Was it connections to the water or something with your father? Did he love the water? Yes. Yes. Would you understand going back when you were little, memories of time with him on a beach or holidays with him or something near water? Yes. yes. Would you understand it? Because he kept talking about this, and I have no idea if it makes sense to you. Would you understand why he's talking about seashells? Did you ever collect seashells or was something about seashells or something where somewhere you went? Does that make sense to you? Yes. Just to collect them, you can understand. Mm -hmm. Do you, because what he said to me, you remember when we were little girls, we were all little children, we, we get to them. You pick up the, the shell and hold it to your ear, you can hear the sea. Yes. Do you remember yes. that? Now, he tells me very much that the sea and water is... Um, means a lot to you. You get your nourishment from the sea. You feel calm by the sea. If you're feeling terrible, you go and you look at the sea. You walk by the beach, and you get that sense of you get that sense of calm again. Do you know what? The last yeah. two weeks solid, I've taken a walk and I go by the beach in the ocean, yeah. well, that's, and that's, that's what I think. So that's he's with because me. he's he's very much with you. But you he's telling me that. What did you pick up from the beach when you were there? What did you bring back that you picked up? Not not literally anything. Do you understand? He's talking about, but you brought something. You something might have been an insight, or something came to you in that beach that you brought back again. Do you understand what he's talking well, about? Well, I do because I get my best ideas when I 
that's fine that's okay because it's like you get you show me the little pearls it could be little pearls of wisdom that like you get these little things and you bring them back from the beach that's right but but he also says so but 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 what he wanted to add on to that was as well that within that um you know if you want to hear that if you if you can't get to sea he said you can pick up a shell and you can hear the sea there but he's saying as well i can't be with you but if you sit quietly and listen you will hear my voice just like the seashell, he said, I'm always there to be heard if you just take the quietness to be there to be there um, and listen to me. I know you've worked a little bit with EVP, but I also know as well you have heard your father's voice, but maybe not always when you expected to hear it or when you were looking for it. Does that make sense to you? Yes. Have you heard him yes. call your name or something? Yes. Because I know very much yes. he tells me he has spoken to you and he has called your name. And it's like, who's that? What's that? And he says, you, you ask me to, how could I not respond? He takes me to, I don't know what he's talking about, but he's taking me to documentation, to legal paperwork. Is there anything like that either gone on since his passing or is around you at the moment? Something to do with family or to do with legal yes. paperwork? Yes. Because he's saying, and, that has, and you feel swamped by it all. Do you understand that yes. as well? Yes. And he's saying that, and he said, "Well, don't ask me because I wouldn't have had a clue." He's saying, "Don't ask me, I wouldn't have had a clue." But he's saying to me, "Right, okay, I don't know what he's saying." He's saying you are missing something within it. I don't know. Go back and look over it because you've missed something, or there's something you're not seeing clearly. And when you see that, he says it's like everything else is going to fall into place. Okay. I don't know what he's talking about. So think about it. Okay. About what, what, and also we're on a we're on a live broadcast as well. So I you know I I, I don't want to open up all your business in in, in this way. But just know very much that he is some. He wouldn't have believed in this, would he? He wouldn't have believed in the spirit, the afterlife, would he? Not not like this. <laughs> no, because he's saying I'd never have believed it. No, no. <laughs> you know, I never believed it. No, I no, I don't. I must stop. But you know. Has Daniel ever brought your father to you? Or have you ever had your father through within the fits of M. Scott's seances? No. Well, look out for that because your father said he's been chatting to Daniel. Oh. Now, as you know, that Daniel is the is the phenomenon. He is the instigator of that. And he's, he says, I've been having a chat with Daniel. So what are he's trying to organize something for you? I don't know. But he's I've met Daniel, you know, since I've been on the other. So I've been chatting to Daniel and we're going to try and work something out for you. So just know very much he stands there with you. At, by your side at this time. This is before I finish because he's giving it, he's giving this to me. There was a photograph that of you, him and your mom, that either somebody holds very close to them and he wants to let you know he knows about this photograph. Does that make sense? Does your mother or something have a photograph of the pair of them near her? Yes. Yes. You have a picture as well. He would have known that photograph before he passed because he said it's one I know. And he said he's very much aware of the prayers and the thoughts that go towards that photograph. And he just wants you to know that he's listening to what's been. I don't necessarily think it's you that's speaking to this photograph, but he's hearing the words that are said. And he's saying, we are doing what we can. Your prayers are being answered. Just give us a little time. And he just sends you the most biggest kiss, the most biggest love and the most biggest hug. And, you know, I want to say to I want to say to you from him over and over again, I love you. 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 Because I don't feel he feels he said it enough when he was here. You understand? And he also stands there beside you. He says, and tell my girl I am as proud as punch of her. <laughs> he always salutes you. I am as proud as Panshara, and I'm never going to leave her side in what's to come. So I will leave that message, his love, and that connection with the spirit world with you. Oh, okay. I didn't expect this. <laughs> Neither did I. And you left got me in tears. He's got me, cry. he's got me crying. Well, I was going to say, I'm crying here with him. <laughs> when he comes so close, and on the spirit. I just get overwhelmed, but I'm wiping my eyes and my nose at the moment. <laughs> oh, Karen. I hope, I hope you can feel his love that's there with you. I you know, at this, at, at this time. And I understand yeah. what it is you're speaking of very, very clearly. And I'm glad this is being recorded. <laughs> yes, you can listen back to it. <laughs> well, now I want to talk, okay? 
<laughs> and I want to say some great things. I'll shut about up, you. Nudge. <laughs> Just for a moment, and then I'll ask you for some quiet, uh, some closing words. First of all, when you mentioned Daniel, what uh, people, I mentioned the calendar earlier. Every Friday, yeah. Friday, we do a trance demonstration with our friend Scott Milligan. You can come for free, you can make a donation, but it, they're all experimental. And usually there's words of, inspiration and you can ask questions of Scott's inspirers. There's a couple that have been working with him. And what's just happened over the last couple is this Daniel, who's one of the voices that speaks through Scott, one of the people he has been attempting and delivering of bringing through some loved ones in the same mediumistic style as well, what you just witnessed, uh, but doing that with a group. And so we don't know how that's going to develop because of COVID-19 Scott hasn't been able to travel and hasn't been able to teach and do the seances. So I think it's just miraculous what's happening online. So I invite anyone, check out the calendar at wedontdieradio.com and come on a Friday. And uh, so they're just fantastic. Um, some of the things that really struck me, Karen, was the whole thing about change. And I get it because personally, it's been a very, very difficult journey as it is, I think, with most yeah. people, what's happening with I think, COVID. I think anybody who steps onto the spiritual path, yes, it's not but just, it's not easy. Just the past couple of days, I have just decided to embrace that this is what life is. Yeah, I may not yep. like it. I cannot change nope. it. But if I embrace it, and I look for the gifts that, uh, in it, and I have felt so much freedom to just yeah. be and it was like I was swimming upstream before. Yeah. And also, yeah. I love that you say ask for signs, because yeah. I know we have our guides and loved ones and everything around us. But yeah. how many of us are actually like you? having that yeah. conversation and, and asking. Yeah. Yeah. I, I know. I, I just want to share, cause I really, really quickly with you on that subject. I did, a, I did a, my first ever spiritual workshop that I went away to the ladies to sit with offenders. And on the final day, she took us on a meditation to meet our guides. And we were talking in the car on the way home. And she said, well, I had this guy called Angelo. Didn't look like an Angelo. And I said, well, I Archangel Michael. I said, yeah. <laughs> and, you know, and, we, and I'm home sitting in bed that night. And I'd lent her a book by the lady that had done the course. And she gave it back to me. I'm sitting in bed and I'm thinking to myself, okay, some really weird stuff happened that week. I said, give me a sign that that wasn't all my imagination, that what actually happened happened. And in the book was a postcard that she used to bookmark. And it was a postcard of a statue by Michael Angelo. Mm. And I just mm. went, wow. <laughs> so if you're prepared to ask for signs, they will give them. But be open that it may not necessarily be the sign that you want to hear. <laughs> be prepared for the answer when it comes. <laughs> oh, that's great. Sometimes we only want, want to ask questions when we know what the answer is going to be at the other side. I know. I know. So, Karen, you're website is karen yeah. davies medium and it's d-a-v-i-e-s so i'm d-a-v-i-e-s yeah medium.com dot yeah. com and i trust that you are doing long distance readings i am in this covid19 what else can we do <laughs> but isn't that a wonderful way to connect all over the world though with this new technology it is and i want to also applaud you you and i discussed this and i am on a mission to find good mediums at a yeah. reasonable reasonable price which is around yeah. no more than 150 160 dollars no. an hour us yeah. and yeah. that you have the integrity if, yeah because sometimes the connection's not right and you, you no, might no, not always, be the medium that i always say when i start a reading if within the first five minutes i'm not happy or you're not happy then we call it quits and there's no there's, there's no charge yeah, sometimes Perfectly, and other times it's less like it's for whatever reason it's just not it's just not working. Yeah. And this point is me pushing on, giving information you don't understand. It's a waste of my time, a waste of your money, and I wouldn't do that. No, there, there no. are far too many mediums, unfortunately, that are charging an outrageous sum that yeah. don't yeah. have that integrity. So thank you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, I, I wouldn't. It's point. I know. I know when it's right because it feels right with me. Then you may not immediately understand it, but if I know I haven't got that connection, then I just said this isn't working. Let's just all this quits. Yeah. Uh, 
Communication yeah. is the key. So Karen, any yeah. closing words before we wrap up the episode? Uh, well, thank you very much for having me. Um, I hope in some way that something of what I've said has touched people and maybe inspired them. Um, maybe to be that spirit they're born to be, to allow their soul to speak within their life um, and to know that Although they may not realize it at the moment, their loved ones are standing there with them, going through everything. They are, as I said, they're only a heartbeat away. And I hope that one day, that somewhere, somehow, they will have that evidence, as I have had over the years, to show them that that, that, that this is true. And then they can go on and take that knowledge into their life and to share it to everybody they meet because it is such an important message at this time that we are not alone and that love never dies and that our loved ones are always there with us. Oh, so that was my message. Yeah. Well, okay. thank you for thank being you. our guest today and for our Thank listeners. you for having me. Oh, of thank course. You. It's gone really quickly. <laughs> <laughs> well, let me make a few more a, a few more notices and then I'll wrap it up. Okay, that's lovely. I also really want to thank you, our listener, who's been spending the time listening. And I know we've only had a couple episodes in the past few months as my life has turned a little upside down as well. So I apologize about that. But we are back. So thank you for listening. Remember, all past episodes are on the website, wedontdieradio.com. There's now 342. And if you're new to the show, while you're at wedontdieradio.com, there's a pop-up that says join the Insiders Club. That's just a fancy way of saying join my email list. And if you do, you receive a free copy of my book, We Don't Die, in a PDF form, as well as a very healing audio called How to Survive Grief. If you'd like the audio book, We Don't Die, if you same website, wedontdieradio.com, and you click on Store, you will find the audiobook there and please enter coupon code free F R E E to get the audiobook. Again, I invite you to click on the calendar page that we have some wonderful free events, including our Sunday service, which is amazing, and as well as online courses, demonstrations, all guaranteed to inspire. If you're a Facebook user, type in We Don't Die Listeners. And it's a great place to meet like-minded new friends and be supported. Whether you're experiencing grief, questions of the afterlife, you just need a friend. It's really great. In closing, my name is Sandra Champlain. I am so delighted I get to be your host on We Don't Die Radio. I do believe that life is an education for the soul and that your life here on earth is important. And I love how Karen Davies said at the beginning, who will play your music if not you? Look into your heart. Your life matters. Your passions matter. Your dreams matter. So say yes to the spirit world don't resist change, go with the flow, ask for signs, and help is around you and support. I want to really thank you for listening. You can go to KarenDaviesMedium.com to find out more about her or book a reading and we don't die radio.com. Find out about the show and past episodes and me. So thank you for listening and we'll see you soon. Mm-hmm.